Whether you're the wire, the hungry earth, a parasite god, an eater of light, or just a bit peckish, welcome to A Bad Case of Loving Who. I'm Thomas Medina, and his work is robbery, slaughter, plunder. He does this work and calls it empire. He makes desserts... I knew I'd say that. He makes deserts and calls it peace. It's Christopher Stennett. Hello. Do you make desserts as well? I love desserts. I have to people desserts before I kill them. Well, that's that's very kind. Yeah. Very thoughtful. Leave them with chocolate cake on their face. That's my motto. You, you just, like, pie people to death. No, no, I offer them chocolate cake and then they eat it and I shove them in the oven. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's that's one way to do it, I suppose. Yeah, I've got plenty of others that, so... I will try not to think about that. The Eaters of Light is the episode we'll be talking about today, and IMDb says that a long time ago, in a galaxy far... No, uh, the Roman legion of ninth of, of the ninth vanished into the mists of Scotland. Bill has a theory about what happened, and the Doctor has a time machine. It's directed by Charles Palmer, who did Oxygen this season, and written by Rona Munro, who uh, actually wrote a few episodes of Doctor Who in the late 80s. So that's a long time um, return. Mm. And, well, we're getting very late in the season now. This is season 10, episode 10. Yeah, two more to go yeah, what a number. Uh, ten years ago, I would have been sceptical that uh, I'd, you know, see a Doctor Who season 10, episode 10. Um, I just, it's a long way for a show to go, but um, here we are. Though this episode I wasn't very impressed by uh, overall. Uh, but though the setting I thought was very cool. What did you think of that? They had some pretty... Um, some amazing vistas and things. Yes, I I love the setting, Scotland, mm. and um, I found it um funny in that I think the Doctor and Nardo both tried a Scottish accent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, the well, well, yeah. Well, I guess well, the Doctor's always trying a Scottish accent, isn't he? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But he he hammed it up certainly. Uh, being in Scotland, when in Scotland, do a Scottish accent, I suppose. Uh, that was quite nice how Nardole so quickly joined in so completely. Um, <laughs> that was quite fun. Yeah. Got the face tattoos and everything. Definitely. We've got Romans again. Romans turn up, I don't know, I feel like Romans turn up more regularly in Doctor Who than than. You might imagine <laughs> there's something about Romans in, in particularly the last, in particularly Stephen Moffat, Doctor Who, maybe. Yeah. Um, I reckon also because the Romans are so well known throughout history. Sure. Yeah. Well, and Peter Capaldi is a Roman, of course, in yeah, Doctor Who. Yeah. Did you? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was early in the episode. I think you made a reference to that Pompeii episode where he was. Uh, Roman general or something. 
Ah, right. No, I missed that. Cool. I'll have to check that out again. And one of those Romans, um, the leader of the small band of surviving Romans that, that Bill finds, yep. um, he might look a bit familiar to we, to, 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 we, to you, does he? Um, well, uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I couldn't pick it for ages why he looked so familiar. And um, he is actually uh, in The Force Awakens. He is Balatik and he confronts Han Solo and delivers the, you know, um, infamous line, tell that to Kanji Club. Right. Yeah, that's him. Brian Vernal. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, it more now. <laughs> Great. Um, and then, so they've got the Romans and they've got the barbarians in here and they're, they're, they're fighting these, um, eaters of light as they're referred to, uh, which are just pretty weird monsters, uh, which I thought they looked kind of cool, but, uh, they didn't do a lot, did they? They just come up, they're so quick and they didn't really show them much uh well most of the times we saw them it was like uh done a bit like a horror movie and they just come and go really quickly hey yes and i thought that was ace one actually um to get that and the design of them which admittedly we don't see much of but we do Mm. get a glimpse of it i um really enjoyed the rhinoceros like thing with the really elephant-like tusks and yeah mm-hmm. and then the the little strings the wires that came out yeah the colorful right. tentacles i do like the colorful glowy tentacles that's that's pretty cool yeah. <laughs> all basically all i gathered was that they want to eat light yeah um which, you know, understandable, it's I suppose. more motive than the monks, really. <laughs> more motive than the monks, that's right. So... We don't even know what the monks ate at all. I hope they hambos. Maybe. Which Maybe. Some of my main problems with this episode are that it continues... Problems I've had kind of this whole season and stuff, mm. which is the Doctor keeps being not very much like the Doctor, in my opinion. Uh, and he he can't seem to stop saying dumb, confusing things like, uh, in this episode, he says, I can't stand brave people. Like, what? That's... The Doctor loves brave people and bravery, I thought. And, like, I know... So I thought about that. I thought, well, maybe, you know, they're just going for you know, good writing always has subtext and characters don't say exactly what they mean. But he's saying the opposite of what I think he should believe. So I'm... That's quite confusing. At another point, he's, like, saying, I don't do charm. And, uh, well, maybe this Doctor is a... You know, a, that that I can believe, that Peter Capaldi's Doctor isn't into charm as much as, like, David Tennant's Doctor or something. But... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm confused by the doctor lately. I get that because I was a bit too on sides in the ending. Um 
So the ending with Missy and the Ties. And that is something that the Doctor doesn't want. Yet he's willing to basically sacrifice himself and willingly go into um, this thing to beat the monster. Is he really concerned about Missy or, or not? Yeah, um, it's quite, yeah, confusing. I hope, I hope it's leading somewhere. Like I keep saying every week, I guess. It, it could be leading somewhere deliberate for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll probably find out very soon. Indeed. And speaking of Missy, uh, <laughs> yeah, so so we were wrong that this was going to be like a Missy companion episode. Uh, apparently, oh, we were supposed to um, understand from the last episode that they were going to put her back, back in the vault. Or oh, that was the plan. But uh, yes. we didn't think that, did we, at all? Mm, well, we hope not. Yeah, it's, well, it seemed like they weren't going to put her back in. But, uh, well, they well, it turns out they did and they didn't. <laughs> well, they didn't, but yeah. uh, Bill and Nardole thought they did. And so now we're just kind of back. The end of this episode is like, what we thought the end of last episode was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, now Missy is here with us. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. The ending with Missy in general was actually probably the one thing about the episode that I did not like. Really? Yes. I would almost say the opposite. Oh, why was that? <laughs> I quite liked the episode and how the Doctor, in the end, there. Uh, sort of figures it out and then needs help from all these other people. Mm -hmm. Which is good because you've been going on about all this season where it seems to be easily fixed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And even when it was, it sort of wasn't. Um, But then from that sort of high rise in the tension drama it then goes into the doctor and the TARDIS and we spend way too long I feel in the TARDIS talking with Missy right well I guess yeah I I have mixed feelings on that I suppose because um in a way that was my favorite part of the episode actually with with Missy at the end, I just think uh, scenes with just Peter Capaldi and Michelle Gomez are like the most dramatic, best acted, most interesting parts yep. of the whole show. Yep. But like, I totally agree that it's it felt like out of place. Like, why again are we ending the episode with this kind of totally separate kind of TARDIS yep. scenes? Um, mm. which had nothing to do with the rest of this episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it. If it was placed somewhere else, maybe it would have been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the next episode or something. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Also, the other thing I didn't quite get was that little introduction and. Like the book ending with the g- 
girl and brother. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, present day <laughs> Scotland. That yeah. didn't seem to have a whole lot of... Um, whole lot of influence on the story. Yeah, another unnecessary book ending, probably. I mean, I liked it at the start where it showed Titus. Um, but the end, it just didn't really add anything to the story. Mm, so. yeah. Totally agree there. Also, did you like how the crows talk? Um, that was alright. The, there wasn't much purpose to that either, I thought. It was kind of cool. I thought it was going somewhere a bit more purposeful. Yeah. Could have, yes. Um, it was still nice, I thought. Yeah, cool little idea, and it, like, yeah. added some atmosphere. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Bill was probably the first, well, the first companion that I remember to figure out the translation mechanism with the TARDIS and Doctor. Yeah, and the translation mechanism got super powerful here. It's, uh... Wow. Yeah. It's spread out to people who haven't even been in the TARDIS. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just jumping around a little, I will say, yeah, I, I did like, quite like um, that scene uh, towards the end where the, the Doctor's getting ready to uh, jump into that portal and fight for ages, <laughs> um, <laughs> thousands of years, um, which... Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty rousing. That was mm. quite a good bit. But then for a lot of this episode, I just um, I just found I didn't care much and felt like a lot of stuff was happening without meaning or point and without many particularly enjoyable characters, unfortunately. But, but nothing too bad, so it was fine. But also, going back to um, the Doctor and Missy... Um, there's one theory, which I find interesting, which could explain some of what's going on, is this theory that the Doctor and Missy, well, how Missy is possibly becoming good, uh, that is making the Doctor kind of quote-unquote bad, like they're, they've got a yin-yang balance of the force kind of setup, where if oh. one gets good, the other gets bad. What do you think of that? It's it's interesting, but at the same time, I haven't really seen Missy out in the field. That's so right. A lot of whether she is good or bad will, will I feel, is judged on your actions. Yeah. I haven't seen her out in the field with a sword and whether she chops people's arms off or chops their heads off. So. That will tell a lot, won't it? Arms or heads? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We've pretty much just seen her indoors crying a lot, which Indeed. doesn't tell us too much for real. Not really. And also, still just uh, no clue why the TARDIS acted weird for a couple episodes, so hopefully we'll still find that out. Mm. Um and the trailer for next week, I don't want to get too excited, but it looks great. It uh, it could be a very fun episode, I think. Indeed. 
Missy actually joining the TARDIS crew, base. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a cool setup. Like, possibly a kind of, um, you know, Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow kind of setup with yeah. the Missy being tested by the others. Agree. <laughs> um, but what we didn't see too much was the Doc. Mm. Yeah, it's possibly going to be a Doctor Light episode, judging by that trailer, isn't it? Mm. Where Missy is basically the Doctor. Yes, indeed. See how she goes. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, wrapping up on this episode, um, well, as, as, as you now know, I, I didn't care much for it, but didn't actively dislike it like whatever that one earlier this season was that I actively disliked and have now forgotten. Um, how about you? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I loved it. I thought it was one of the best episodes of the series. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the monster and I loved how we've got a clear idea of what the monster wants and it's sort of mysterious at first and all these bodies... And, yeah, then it's revealed. And although I'm sure the characters were scared, I didn't feel that um, terrified, but I'm sure that there was some tension in me. And right. Well, maybe there'll be more death next week. Hopefully. <laughs> although a legion of Roman soldiers dying... Is probably oh, true. Yeah, yeah you've got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. The problem uh, was they didn't show it. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like last week, I would have loved to have seen a person actually, like, dehydrate right in front of me. Mmm. Yum. Mm. Well, on that note, yeah. catch you next week. Here to play us out now is uh, Tooth and Claw by Murray Gold from the episode Tooth and Claw from season two because that was also in Scotland. That's my connection there. <laughs> that was boring. Uh, sorry? Was it Queen Victoria? Yeah, that's right. That's the one. And monks. Good. There were monks there, but monks that were actually kind of cool karate monks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, subscribe to A Bad Case of Loving Who on iTunes or any podcatcher, email us at abcoflovingwho at gmail.com and we'll catch you next time. Bye.